0: Welcome to Bleep Bulimia Podcast with guest Clint Callahan, licensed therapist and life coach. Hi everyone, I am Ann. I am the host of Bleep Bulimia and today I'm so pleased to have Clint Callahan. He's a licensed therapist and life coach for 23 years and worked with everybody. I just love it. Thank you so much for being a guest here today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: So my big question always is to What brought you to, or what inspired you to do what you do now?
1: Sure. Uh, What inspired me is a combination of factors. When I was born, I weighed one pound, 15 ounces. So that was 47 years ago. So at that time, the odds of me surviving and being quote unquote normal, which I'm still, the jury's still out on if I am or not. (laughs) But that was, you know, very, it was very touch and go for about six months there while I was in the NICU and all those in that piece and so that led to my parents often telling me where my story began that you need to go do something with your life because so many other babies died when you survived and you just don't know why right so that's a heavy it's a heavy burden to lay on a kid they know they did I know they meant it well and they meant it as a good thing but it's one of those things right that that it weighs heavy on your head like maybe i should do something because i did survive when so many others did die at that time and so from there i went in i got into elementary school and all those elementary middle and high school and i was bullied a lot as a kid and it started out with me having extreme anxiety where i got somatic symptoms where i was physically ill to where i missed lots and lots of school during elementary school because i was just physically just so sick from being bullied so much and that then flipped. When i got into middle school and it just became anger so then i was angry all the time and so my parents noticed that and so when i was around 12 they sent me into therapy for the first time to help me manage and understand what was going on inside of me because they didn't know because i didn't share it because you didn't share stuff like that back then right that's what you didn't do much different today but back then they didn't and so they sent me into therapy and that began my love affair with therapy with psychology, with those kind of things. Cause now all of a sudden, wait a minute, there's words for the what I'm feeling. I mean, I don't just only have three feelings. I don't just have happy, angry, and and sad. And we don't talk about sadness. So I'm not just happy and angry. Really? That, that I get more than that? Oh wow. Okay. And so that started me down the process of recognizing that everybody all starts out the same. We're all trying to figure it out as we go along. And then the story that we adopt from what other people tell us or how we interpret what other people tell us or, what, or, or, some, or an offhanded comment that somebody makes that impacts us in such a way then begins to craft this narrative that, that we tell ourselves, which is our basic program. And so from there, that led me into getting my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. I have a master's in, in, um, in um, clinical social work. I've worked, like I said in the beginning, I've worked with everybody. I've worked with everything from prisoners to end-of-life care to HIV, AIDS, individuals, couples, kids, eating disorders, um, you know, drug addiction, you know, all kinds of stuff. i worked with all the stuff. So that's given me a very unique perspective because one of the things that I recognize as a therapist is the way they taught us was, you're the expert. And what I've learned is, no, I'm not. I know things, but I don't know everything. I'm just giving you my experience, and with my experience, I hope that I can shine a little light and give you a little beacon to use your own experience and graft onto that to get where you want to go, because you're the expert in your life. I am not the expert in your life, and recognizing that has really helped me to teach people in multiple different ways of how they can just change their story, which is what my life coaching program that I started about six months ago is about, is about teaching people psychological tools so that they can be mindful of what they're telling themselves throughout the course of their day so that they can then make those profound changes in their life in 15 minutes a day because it doesn't take 300 years to make a change it literally takes watching yourself in that moment and say wait a minute i don't agree with the story i'm telling myself i don't agree where the story is taking me i'm not going to do that anymore I'm going to stop and I'm going to rewrite my story right now. So that's kind of how I got started.
0: I love it. I was actually watching the video that you were saying. It was the small changes, big impact, 1% per day transformation system. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that we don't think that way. We always want it right away, right now. Um, I love that 1% a day. And in 100 days, that's 100%. I mean, you know, do we get to 100%? Well, yeah yeah but and, I mean the thing is that
1: that's why when I teach people I teach people build in failure like I've been doing the same process for about 10 years now that I do but also I have three cheat days that I build into my to my month every month and the thing is is I know I have them but I rarely use them and the only time I really use them is if I get sick other than that I rarely use them because I know they're there so I can but I don't want to because I like the process and how it makes me feel. And it took me, you know, it took me a hundred days to begin to make it feel like it stuck. But then it took me another year after that to really make sure it was cemented in and that I did it and I failed consistently at it. But I recognized that that failure let me grow as well. It let me recognize, oh, this is why I failed at this particular point because that emotion overwhelmed me because I didn't take a step back and recognize it and honor it and see it for what it was. And so that's been one of the, that's always the most difficult thing, right? Because we don't, most of us don't have language for what we're feeling. We feel a certain way and we don't want to look at it, talk about it, or think about it because most of the feelings human beings have are fear-based. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't recognize is that The way feelings work is it's a formula your thoughts plus your feelings equals the way you act or react to a situation and usually that's because you're with another person and the way you act and react after the way you think and feel that other person then now has a thought has a feeling and acts or reacts according to the way you acted or reacted and that creates the cycle that you find yourself stuck in all the time but it's in the recognition of those things and seeing that where you can take that step back and take that breath that you can make these changes in your life pretty much on the fly as long as you are able to recognize and understand it and then recognize it most of the time for what it is which is a big fat lie because we lie to ourselves more than anybody else
0: through that Actually, it was the other thing that we were talking about just prior to coming on here was the whole burnout thing. So you're talking about Mm -hmm. the to yourself and so on and so forth. I remember Mm -hmm. during the time that I was bulimic, uh, I was always like an overachiever trying to prove myself, even as a mother of three, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, president of the Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, business, work, everything like that, um, volunteering. And my schedule was always full, trying to spend time with everybody. But I found in my bulimia, that was a trigger. So like you would get to the point at the end of the day, you go, I just need time for myself. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. to me, I lied to myself. My bulimia was a time Mm -hmm. for myself where it was totally the opposite. It was like, you know, it wasn't doing me any favors. I'm just saying that I did realize that at one time when I slowed down. And Mm -hmm. I did hit burnout, unfortunately, so I just cut everything out, which we'll talk about too, because I know that you were saying that, and just shut everything off. Um, That wasn't of any help either. It was when I figured out the truth that, you know, it it was sort of like a light bulb that went up, and I just thought, okay, like, this bulimia's got to stop. Not everyone Mm -hmm. gets that. Not everyone Mm -hmm. gets to the point where I got to, but I'd like you to speak more to that, because we sort of touched on it, so... Mm -hmm.
1: So the thing about burnout that most people don't understand is that it's not just because of work. People are burned out because of life too, because we pack our lives with everything because we're great at being human doings, but not great at being human beings. We will do until we collapse, but just sitting and being, we don't like because then we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm being lazy. I'm being whatever the story is you're telling yourself. I could do more. I could use this time for X, Y, Z instead of taking this moment to breathe or be with myself or to just sit for 15 minutes because now I'm being lazy because I could be spending this time with my kids or answering these emails or looking at or answering these text messages or whatever it is that's going on in your life. And so the big piece about burnout is, is it's a weird combination of disconnection and control. So the first phase of burnout, at least for me, when I went through burnout, because I went through it as well, was I started to first disconnect from just myself, from my purpose, from my own self-care, from who I was and wanted to be as a functioning individual because I was so exhausted. So that was the first thing that I disconnected from. And then the second thing I disconnected from was friends, because I didn't have time for that. I had other stuff I had to do that was more important than maintaining and having these friendships, because it was now friendships became a burden. And then I began disconnecting from my family. I disconnected from my kids. I disconnected from my wife. I began pulling back away from them because I didn't want to burden them with what I was going through because they had enough stuff going on. And then it started to affect my work. And that's when you get, that's usually when a lot of people either get the wake up call where your boss says, straighten up or you're fired or they or you change jobs because you think that'll fix it because obviously it's the job's fault that you're feeling this way couldn't possibly be anything else and so in those moments of burnout there's also that piece of control because everything else now starts to feel like it's spiraling like it's like I can't grab onto anything I've disconnected from everything so what can I control well it goes back to when we're toddlers right when we're toddlers, and we're learning how to potty train for the first time, we now know what we can control is what comes in and what goes out. So that's one of the process that we do. And that's why some that's why some adults, that's why a lot of adults and a lot of people have these issues, because this is something we can control. But we choose to do it in an unhealthy way, because we don't know what else to do in that moment.
0: Yeah, very true. So do um, that. So you've got the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, because I'm, I'm curious. Like, I know yep. we talked a little bit. We touched on it, but I'd like to know more about it.
1: So one of the things, so one of the first things that I teach people is I teach people what I call my emotional management plan. It's a way for you to get kind of that third-party perspective on the story that you're telling yourself. So the first thing that you do is you recognize okay, I'm right now in a heightened emotional state. It can be whatever it is. It can be anger, sadness. It can even be joy where you recognize that for some reason you're just in this heightened emotional state, but it's making you uncomfortable for some reason. So the first thing you do is you take a step back because what people don't recognize about emotions is 80% of them start from the neck down. It starts in your body because emotions start based on the survival fear response, the biological fear response, where you start to get that weird acid gut feeling. You start to notice that you can't really get a good deep breath, or your heart is beating too hard, or when adrenaline hits your brain, time slows. It makes time feel like it's now one second is now 10 seconds. So now you feel trapped for eternity in these thoughts, in these feelings, and your brain is now telling you, this is your new forever. So that's the first thing you need to recognize is what's happening in your body. And then change that. You change it by doing box breathing, which is a very specific type of box breathing where you take a deep breath in for four seconds and you hold it for four seconds. Then you breathe out for four seconds, you hold empty for four seconds, and you do that four times. And what that does is it tells your parasympathetic nervous system where our fight or flight response resides, there is no physical danger because our biological fear is all about physical danger. But the problem is when the story in our brain connects with the biology in our body, it's like adding nitrous to a car, all the, you know, too much and the engine blows up, right? It's that kind of thing. So the second thing you do is you then take two minutes after you box breathe and you write down the exact story your brain is telling you because the story that biological fear tells us is one that goes very quickly from my bot like here's an easy one my boss sent me an email that means that they're not happy with me that means i'm going to lose my job that means i'm going to lose everything i've worked for my family all the stuff and i'm going to end up dead and it's like wow that escalated really quick you got an email to now you're dead whoa where did that come from because biological fear is all about our survival so The thought of not having money is a threat to our survival, because then we can't eat, then we don't have a place to live, and those things. So the first thing you do is you breathe, to calm stuff down, then you write it out to get it out of here, because when it's up here and you don't get it out of your head, it multiplies tenfold, super fast, because adrenaline is also soaking your body, which is now making these thoughts feel like they're ten times longer. You then go do just a quick bit of exercise, speed walk couple of push-ups, sit-ups, whatever. You try to get the blood going to different parts of your body, to your extremities specifically, because adrenaline stays in your gut, heart, lungs, and brain, because those are the parts of your body that are always working. And then after you do those three things, you go back and you read the stuff you wrote. And most people are like, I don't want to read the stuff that I wrote, because I already know it's going to seem like I'm nuts. And then the people are going to come and want me to give me a white coat where I hug myself. And no, that's not the case. You need to see what you wrote because to see it means it goes into the logic part of your brain first and then to the emotional part of your brain, which means you can tell that the story is a lie. And so now you've attacked this feeling state that you're having from the biological, from the psychological, and from the physiological, from the... um, from the physiological piece from the the um, nervous system piece in you know, all three dimensions so that you can see that this story you're telling yourself is not true and you do not need to follow the story
0: i love it that's very interesting mm-hmm. i really uh, i appreciate that and um so to that uh, mm-hmm. let's just speak to this where can people find you um sure. connect with you. Yeah. Uh, people
1: can find me. So I'm on, of course, Facebook and Instagram at Dot The number four, the letter U. And I post videos that talk about this stuff and my little sayings and all the things. And you can also find my contact information. I also have a free ebook just on burnout. And you can find me at smallchangesbigimpact.net and then and backslash uh, free hyphen ebook. And I'll give you that link. Or you can also find me at smallchangesbigimpact.net backslash info. And those things will allow you to either contact me to find out what's going on if you want to find out more, all those different things. Because really it comes down to that when it comes to your life, making those really small changes every day of just being more aware, even adding an extra five minutes of awareness to your day of what's going on with the story inside of you will change the way that you view everything. And that's the thing that I want people to understand because I know a lot of people have gone through the big rah-rah three-day intensive seminar things and then they find that it fades out and that's why slow and steady does win the race we are all the tortoise in the story whether we want to believe it or not
0: that's beautiful actually it's true because I was thinking about that just the other day I was saying I was getting into doing something I'm going when is this honeymoon going to end right because you get all excited about doing something Mm -hmm. And I tend to be one of those people of, you know, the honeymoon syndrome, Um, but slow and steady was really what helped me to, so I don't mind those in certain aspects of my life, but when it comes to Mm -hmm. about me, and like I said, 14 years without bulimia, Mm -hmm. but that was slow and steady to process. And I'm glad that you spoke to that. And I think that a lot of my listeners should really, um, if you can reach out to Clint, because uh, a lot of what he's saying, like the burnout, the you know, I can relate to that, the the stopping to thinking prior mm-hmm. to and, and learning about the lies and the lies that you tell yourself as well, not just what other people that you've, you know, taken in and processed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's two. It's like both outside and inside. So I love the piece. what you said today. And
1: that's the piece, right? The lies that we tell ourselves, when we read them out and we see them, the first thing we think is, I would never say that to another human being. But yet the fact that we say that to ourselves because we disregard our own self-compassion, our own sense of self-care is so profound because all of us have been trained through Western civilization and the way that we view things that you need to just push through and get over it. And sometimes you can't just push through and get over it. You need someone to help you say, no, no, don't take that path you know that that power that path is going to lead you you've gone off that bridge forty-seven thousand times aren't you tired of ending up like wiley coyote at the bottom of the canyon (laughs) let's make some changes here
0: well thank you with those words again thank you again clint for being my guest today
1: thank you for having me i'm so glad i got to be here
0: thank you okay bye-bye Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit me at bleepbulimia.com.